The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest is Dan Jacobson of Environment California. And we're going to talk about, among other things, straws. So what's with straws? Uh, well, Plastic first of straws, all, right? thanks for having me on. It's really great to be here. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a great question. What's the deal with straws? And I think the answer is, is that... Um, more and more, we're seeing trash, especially plastic pollution, ending up on our streets, ending up in our parks, ending up in our lakes, rivers, and streams. And all this stuff is eventually getting into the ocean. And we're getting to the point where people are saying, we got to do something about it. And, yeah. um, you know, you can't clean up the, all the plastic all the time. And, and at some point, you have to decide, we also, in addition to cleaning up plastic, need to try to control where this plastic is coming from and it's like my mom told me the first thing you do when the bathtub is overflowing is turn off the water and so or you play in it if you were my age you know? well yeah it makes a little bit more of a mess and <laughs> it takes a lot of towels to clean up and if the water's still going you can't you don't have enough towels so um you know i i think that th- this is a step in the right direction to to raise awareness to do some basic education to change some behavior uh, about how we deal with single-use plastics. Yeah. And this is specifically about, it's 1884, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, the bill is um, AB 1884. It was authored by Assemblymember Ian Calderon, who's the majority leader and uh, really strongly supported by Assemblymember Richard Bloom from Santa Monica, who's a, you know environmental champion and right there on the ocean, so he kind of gets it. And what exactly does the bill do? The bill says, you know, instead now when you go to restaurants and and you you sit down with your family and they come out and sort of throw a bunch of straws on your table and, and, you know, maybe some of them get used and the rest just get discarded. This just simply says, if you want a straw, you just got to ask for it. And so it just a little simple change like that. And instead of us using, you know, millions or billions of straws every single year, maybe we can cut that down. and, And that's the whole point of the bill. Does it only apply to plastic? straws or other kinds of straws out there no no no. that's the idea is to try to incentivize you know the the other kinds of straws that are out there too so okay. some people have uh you know they have the straw straw and some people are now bringing their own uh stainless steel straw and some pe- you know people oh, are wow. gonna have all these cool things and and let's help a budding industry but but really the idea is just to say you know do we need to use that many straws? I mean, and, and there are a lot of straws. I, uh, there are numbers floating around about how many straws Americans use every year. And it was astronomical. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to pin down. Sort of the one number that's out there is I think it's half a billion straws a day, which, you know, we did the math on it. And I have a couple straws here that, that if you just kind of go, okay, well, how long is that? And you times it out, you could sort of circumnavigate the globe to maybe two, two and a half times, and you just go, well, that's nuts. You know what I mean? Like, why are we um, using something that, in the case of a straw, we use for a minute, and it ends up yeah. polluting our ocean for, you know, they don't know, thousands of years, and it doesn't disappear, and it doesn't go away, and you can't really recycle these things. So, And the Monterey Bay Aquarium was a sponsor of the bill. We mentioned this earlier. We were talking earlier before the podcast, but what was the background there? 
You know, it's a really cool story of um, a young girl who was involved with the Girl Scouts, and she lives in Monterey, and, and obviously anybody in California has an opportunity to check out the ocean, and, and you read about it, and you study it in school, and, and she was seeing all this plastic pollution that was washing up on the shores, and again, was on her streets and in, in her own parks and playgrounds, and she just said, why can't we do something about it, you know? Straws are kind of fun if you're a kid, you know, and you like to play with it and make the little snake thing and drop the water on it and shoot spitballs and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, a lot of kids are starting to think, well, wait a second, where, where is the away? And she did that. And, and she was able at the city and county level to get Monterey to go straw free for a month. And that was incredible. And, and the legislators up here saw that and said, hey, let's keep on working with that approach. And yeah. They did the legislative dance, and, you know, I think we're really close to getting one over, over the line. Do you know where the governor is on this? He doesn't like to tip his hand typically, but has he said anything uh, or <clears throat> given you a signal, a hint, whispered uh, in somebody's <laughs> ear? Yeah. Uh, certainly not mine. Um, <laughs> I'll say that. And, and so, uh, you know, as you said, he holds his cards close to his vest, and, and um, you know, we'll see. It would be a pity for him not to sign a bill that really has yeah. no formal opposition and, and – um, you know, Assemblymember Ian Calderon really, you know, worked this issue. He, he talked to the folks at the restaurants. He, he, you know, talked to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, the experts there, and, and really tried to craft some legislation that, you know, was going to make a difference and was going to get yeah. through. And so I think he, he has done that. And I know you say there was no formal opposition. I saw there was a similar bill, or actually I think it was a more extreme version of the bill, uh, passed in Seattle not that long ago, or at least introduced in Seattle. I'm not sure if it passed. And uh, there was some opposition from handicraft groups who were saying that there was a uh, real concern that people who, who need straws to be able to drink liquids were not going to have access to them. And I saw some grass, what seemed like legitimate grassroots concern about that. Did you see anything of that nature in California? You know, that didn't pop up here just because the way that the bill was written was just different. We weren't trying to ban all single-use right. plastic straws here in the state, but just simply get people into the habit of saying, hey, I need it, basically creating a level playing field for everybody. So everybody has to ask for the straw, you know, whether or not, you, you yeah. know, and then, again, the idea is, is to kind of go like, well, for a lot of times you don't need a straw, you know, and yeah. Sometimes when you sit down in the restaurant, they go, oh, here's your cup of water, straw, here's a soda, straw, here's something else, straw. And you just go, well, this is nuts. It's just too much. Is there anything um, other than the straws? Is there any, are there any big environmental bills, major environmental bills you're looking at? It seems like year to year we have changes in CEQA or attempts to repeal it or weaken it, land use issues, water diversion issues. Is there anything out there you guys are watching? Um, well, you know, for me, the really big one is SB 100 that would um, set a goal of getting the state uh, to generate 100% of its electricity from clean energy sources by 2045. Uh -huh. uh, it's a bill that was introduced last year in 2017. It passed the Senate, made it over to the Assembly, and, you know, was pulled back into committees so people could look at it and try to review it a, a little bit longer. Uh, on July 3rd, it popped out of the Utilities and Energy Committee, and it's sitting on the floor of the Assembly right now. And, um, you know, I'm really excited because 21 members of the Assembly have just signed on as a co-author for the bill. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not 41, but, but it's progress there. And, um, and it's been on the Senate side. 
It started in the Senate, and now Senate. it's on the Assembly it's side. Assembly. And so it's have, sitting it have, sounds like it's going to have to go back for concurrence or no? Yep, that yeah. one will have to go back. And, and um, you know, again, the Senate will have to put its blessing on it to make sure yeah. any of the changes that were done in the Assembly sort of meet their standard as mm-hmm. well. And then hopefully onto the governor's desk. And, um, you know, I think it's an important bill because today President Trump will go to West Virginia and he will roll back the country's clean power plan which was really the country's way to try to address the serious threat of climate change. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate that we need to do that because climate change does need to be addressed at a national and international level. But as is often the case, when the federal government fails, the states will step in and take a lead role. And that's exactly what's happening here. You mentioned um, just when we started, before we started, that uh, I should ask about that 100 percent on your hat. Oh, well, that's the... You're walking around with 100% on you, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's the hat I've been wearing since we introduced the bill, but but it's, um, you know, to just kind of remind me and to remind all the legislators that we see when we're up in the Capitol every day that there's a bill that would get California to set this goal of getting to 100% clean energy, and so... 100%. 100%. I'm sorry, who introduced this bill? Senator DeLeon is the author of the bill, but but now it's got, uh, in addition to him, tw- uh, 21 co-authors in the Assembly and I think um, eight in the Senate. So it's a, it's a really popular idea, and, and it, it has support from all corners of the state. Um, and clean energy, I think, is really one of these things where you're sort of hitting a lot of different bottom lines, right, where we're helping stave off the worst impacts of climate change. We're really boosting the economy. California's clean energy economy is growing by leaps and bounds. And, you know, people talk about it all the time, that literally hundreds of thousands of people that are employed in this kind of jobs. The, you know, smart way to deal with air pollution and being able to reduce the amount of, um, you know, especially now as we're literally choking on smoke from the fires. This is a, a very common sense idea. Um, you know, and, and obviously there's a lot going on these last nine days of the legislature, but this one, um, you know, we're going to work and, and try to show support from today. I know there's a group called Ceres, which is a bunch of businesses uh-huh. um, that are up there. They're lobbying for this bill. Uh, last week there was a group called E2, which is another um, group of businesses in the state of California. They're supporting the bill. The labor unions are supporting the bill. The environmental justice community is supporting the bill. The environmental groups, obviously, are supporting the bill. The faith community, which I like to think is sort of, you know, out there as well. They had a lobby day a couple of days ago. They were up here supporting the bill. So this is a popular bill, and we'll see. You know, it seems like we're always going uh, mano a mano with the Trump administration on something. Um, what Over time, I mean, they've already had discussions Clear about water, environmental policy, regulation. Um, I just saw this morning there was a story about the Fed. I think it was the Interior Secretary wants to move water, more water from Northern California to Southern California. What, what environmental? What, what do you guys see is happening here? Is this we have one long, protracted court fight through twenty twenty two or whatever? Um. You know, that's a good question. The Trump administration and the state of California, I think, are engaged in, the last time I looked at the Attorney General's website, 20, 22 different lawsuits, Uh whether it's the environment or immigration or privacy rights. You know, there's something. And, you know, I just think at the end of the day, there's a difference of opinion on, especially on things like the environment and, and how best to treat it. California, I think, had these fights about 
you know, 20, 30 years ago where we were trying to figure, you know, is John, I'm sure you remember sort of the logging fights where it was sort of the economy versus the environment. And, and that was a big struggle that people in California had. And when you look now, oftentimes it's the economy and the environment are going hand in hand. And California and a lot of other states have figured that out where it's not a sumo wrestling match, but it's more of a ballet that the two can do together. And so um, you see prosperity when that happens, and I think that makes a lot of sense. What can we do in California that, regardless of what the federal government says, in terms of like environmental regulation? I know we have some precedent, ARB, for example, and some clean air rules, I think, supersedes uh, the federal government in some rules. And same with toxic waste, I think, in some rule, in some areas we do. What do you, can the government, can California just basically tell the government, the feds, on some issues, no, get lost? Um, you or know, some equivalent of get lost. Maybe, uh, maybe not that broad. That yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they'll say it, but I think what's interesting is that California has always figured out ways to lead. And again, when it comes to the economy and the environment really syncing up. And so we can make sure that we generate 100% of our electricity from clean energy sources. Yeah. We can, um, you know, set standards for getting more clean cars into the state. We can make sure that we use our water as wisely as possible instead of mm -hmm. trying to drill or build, you know, new plants that are expensive and use a lot of energy. These are all ways that the state of California doesn't necessarily, it isn't, I would say, fighting the Trump administration mm -hmm. as much as sort of putting a, um, you know, sort of being the city on the hill, being the guiding light that other states and other countries at this point can, can say, oh, well, look, if California can get to 100% clean energy, maybe our state could go to 50% or 60%. Yeah. And all the states are going to be different as they are. You know, it's 50 different legislatures, 50 different economies and such. But, um, you know, I, th I think that's the point of being a leader like California is, is you put yourself out there. And in this case, you put yourself out there with business and labor and enviros and others, and you create a light that other people can follow. Well, one last question. Do you see any change in uh, California's position vis-a-vis -vis the environmental regulation with the end of this governorship and the advent of the, ne I assume, I mean, the presumptive next governor seems to be Gavin Newsom. If that happens, do you see any any change in, regula in our regulatory framework? Um, I certainly hope not. I mean, I think that the new governor will be faced with a set of challenges that this governor has um, not taken on. So, yeah. The new governor, um, you know, has already said he's opposed to offshore oil drilling, and that's good. The new governor, I just got an email from them a couple days ago saying he supports 100% clean energy. So you go, oh, that's great. Um, but, you know, there are issues like how do we deal with oil and gas drilling that's happening on land next to schools, next to communities, mm -hmm. the fracking or the oil extraction that's happening there, or the oil refinery or the transportation issues. Those are all issues that the current governor has, has not addressed for a variety of reasons, and I think it's going to fall on the new governor, whoever it is, but obviously, presumably, Mr. Newsom, to, to take a look at that and to try to tackle that. Okay, fair enough. Dan Jacobson, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having Tim me. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Thank you. And this is John Howard, and uh, we will join you next time around. Thank you.